0: Happy Easter. I just had to take a quick picture because you're all here. Like, this is the, this is the Sunday, the Easter, where everybody comes at the same time. And so I got, I got to take a picture. And when anybody tells me, like, hey, how many people come to your church? I'll say, hold on, let me look at the picture. And, and I'll be able to tell this is it because you guys are all here. So, hey, happy Easter. Great to see you guys. And today this is what we're doing. We are celebrating what it is that Jesus did. And what he did, no one had ever done no one had ever done now there's people who have like been revived okay they were like kind of dead and then they came back to life right you put the paddles on them clear <clears throat> okay and they come back but every one of them still died that that's what they did it, we're all going to all of you are going to die I, that's what either jesus is coming back Or we die. Jesus, what he did was he rose from the dead never to die again. Never to die again. He rose and did what no one else had ever done. When it comes to Jesus, and as we look at his life, really I've heard it said, and I kind of like this, that there's three ways you can look at Jesus. He was either a liar, a lunatic, or Lord. Because Jesus claimed to be God. He claimed that he was, he claimed to be God. In John 10, verse 30, he says, I and the Father are one. And when he said that, the Jews that were there got so mad, they're like, no, you're not God. They knew exactly what he was meaning, and so they grabbed stones, they were going to stone him. They're like, no, 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 you're not God. So. You, if he claimed to be God, he was either one, a liar, which he knew he wasn't, and he was just like a really good liar. Like, anybody know a really, really, really good liar? Like, someone just lies all the time. I, I did high school years ago, and there was a, there was a guy who, um, you never knew when he was telling the truth. Like, you just didn't know. But he told so many lies that he had, like, pockets of information that he would use to help him remember the lies that he would tell. Like... Um, his address, he would use consistent numbers, even though it wasn't his real address. I don't remember the numbers, but it was like 1689. And he was telling me about all the stuff he had in the storage unit, and it was storage unit 16. And he told me how to get into the storage unit, and the code to get into his storage unit was 1689 pound, 1689. Like, he, he had a pocket, he, he lied so much that he had a system to keep his lies straight. So is Jesus, he could have been a liar. He maybe had some whole big system. But yet he not only that, but he would have had to have faked the resurrection of other people. He would have had to fake healing blind people, paralytics, like, like that, that, that's a hard one. That's a hard one to pull off. Now, he could have been a lunatic. And the reason why we have to have a lunatic in there is he could have. Really believed he was God, even though he wasn't. But that, then, then he'd be crazy. If I really thought I was a penguin, you'd be like, you're nuts. Yeah. You're like, we're going to come watch this guy. He's, he's crazy. He thinks he's a penguin. Right? I'd be alluding. So he could have really believed it, but then again, then why did, any, why did any of these miracles happen? Or he really is who he says he was, and he is Lord. And he is Lord of all. C.S. Lewis in, in the book Mere Christianity said this He says, A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things that Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic, come on, or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make a choice. Either this man was and is the son of God, or else a madman or something worse. When it comes to Jesus, we have to come up, we have to make up our mind. What was he? So what I want to do is I want to give you some reasons to believe that the resurrection really did happen, that the resurrection really did happen. Now, how many MMA fans do we have in here? Raise your hand if you've ever watched. If you're an MMA fan, raise your hand. Does anybody have a hand? Raise your hand. Half of you don't even have hands. Come on, we gotta do something about this. Okay, no more hand raising for you guys, or maybe more. I don't know which it's gonna be yet. Am I, anyways, so if you've ever seen an MMA fight, you may have seen, and chances are you see one of the you see somebody get choked out. And when they do, the winner gets up and he's jumping, he's all excited, jumping up on the fence, hooting and hollering, and the other guys laying down like limp, and you watch them let go, and I don't even, like, that's the freaky part. Because you watch them let go out of that chokehold, and the person just crumbles to the ground, and you're like, "Mm, oh, it's not good. But they get back up because they passed out. But Jesus, in his death, realized this. Jesus was killed by killers. Like, that's what they did. That's what they did. I don't know about you, but when I watch movies, I put myself in the movie. Becca laughs because if, if it's like an action movie and there's stuff going on, I'm, I, I dodge and things come at you, you know, they're driving the car. I'm like, I drive the car with them. Like, like I, get, I, I get in there. I absolutely get in there. And sometimes you'll watch and you're like, I think if I was being attacked, I would just play dead. Like, 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 just act like I was dead when I wasn't. You know, somebody's getting drowned in the water, you're like, just hold your breath longer than they think you could. Like, just stay down longer. Like, Because as soon as they quit breathing and fighting, the person trying to kill them gets up and leaves. I'm like, why don't you just do that? And you could look at Jesus and you could be like, well, did he do that? But think about this with me. The people that killed Jesus... Were professionals. That's what they did. There was no accident around. Like, mm, did we really kill him? We're not sure. They knew exactly what it is that they were doing. They were professionals. They're like, we we know exactly what we are doing. What we are doing when Jesus was flogged. It says this about him in Isaiah fifty-two. It says. But many were amazed when they saw him talking about Jesus. His face was so disfigured, he seemed hardly human. And from his appearance, one would scarcely know that he was a man. Crucifixion was not just a form of corporal punishment. Crucifixion was a deterrent and a message every single person, That Rome crucified sent a message to everybody else who saw it. You don't cross. You do not oppose Rome. They knew exactly what they were doing. When we look at Jesus and like, did he die? History, there's so much history on how these Romans did this, what they did. Like they had perfected it. And they're like, "Mm, 40 lashes will kill somebody, so let's give them 39. They're like, too many people died, and we don't want them to die. We want them to suffer. We want other people to see them suffer. The people that killed Jesus knew exactly what they were doing. It wasn't like, I think he's dead. Let's walk out. Oh, he really was alive. He got back up. Not the case. Not the case at all. The the cross that Jesus hung on, the the, the cross crucifying somebody is not what killed them. They would hang there in excruciating pain for everyone to see. It was a spectacle. So how many people? We don't even know how many people looked on Jesus as he was hanging on that cross. But the Bible tells us about some. They're like, did you not hear what happened in Jerusalem? Everybody knows. Everybody knows. Jesus hung on that cross with two others with a criminal on each side, they knew what he was doing. They knew exactly what they were doing when they killed Jesus. The idea that he really wasn't dead is kind of like, "Mm, no. No, no. They knew exactly what he was doing. And it says in John 19, verse 31, it says, it was the day of preparation and the Jewish leaders didn't want the bodies hanging there the next day because it was the Sabbath, and a very special Sabbath because it was Passover week. So they asked Pilate to hasten the death by ordering that their legs be broken. Because again, they would hang on that cross in excruciating pain, unable, they wouldn't die from being on the cross. What would kill them was they would suffocate. And so what were they gonna do? They ordered that their legs be broken because with broken legs, they could no longer lift themselves up Pushed themselves up to take another breath. But when they came to Jesus, it says this, but verse 33. But when they came to Jesus, they saw that he was already dead. They knew what dead looked like, but they still wanted to make sure. So they didn't break his legs. Instead, one of the soldiers, however, pierced his side with a spear, and immediately blood and water flowed. It's a medical condition. You can read up all about it and the, how when you die and your heart and what happens and, and, and the way that Jesus was crucified. And they're like, yep, there would have been a sack of water around his heart. And so what that signifies is that the water came out with it. They're like, we know where the spear went because we, we have names for all of this and, and what would happen. And they, they, they knew. So this idea that Jesus wasn't dead, it's was like, mm, no, nah, he was dead. We, we, we know he, he was dead. Reason number one is he was really dead. Reason number two is the tomb. If you go to Jerusalem today, I went, I went several years ago, and we get to walk, and it was really fun. They're like, this is where David killed Goliath, and I picked up some stones from the creek that might have been. like, This is where Elijah called down fire and the prophets of Baal, and, and, and so we're, we're looking at all of these, all of these just really, really cool stuff where, where Jesus had been and getting some context to what was going on, and, and then they're like, now we're going to go to Jesus' tomb, and we're like, okay, and they're like, and let me just tell you right now, we're going to go to his tomb, but we don't really know where his tomb is but they're going to charge us 20 bucks to go look at a hole. I'm like, really? Like, Yeah, there's a hole in this rock, and he he may have been here. He may have been here, but we don't know. But why don't we know where Jesus was buried? Like, Muhammad, we know exactly where Muhammad is buried. Buddha, we know where Buddha is. Like, they, they cremated his body, but they have a tooth. And so we know right where the tooth is, and there's a whole shrine, and you can go, and you can go there, but... We know we are there, but we don't, what we don't know is we do not know where Jesus was buried because he didn't stay dead. His followers weren't like, he's dead, let's go back to the tomb and here we all go. You drive down highways and roads and you can see. You look and all of my kids have asked at one point or another, well, we're driving down the road and they look and they see a cross and they see some flowers on the side of the road and they say, what happened there? Why is that there? And you're like, well... We could probably look it up, but that, that means that somebody, there was a car accident or something and somebody died here. We, we mark those locations. We know. But we don't know where Jesus was buried because he didn't stay there. They knew where his tomb was. It was a rich man's tomb. They knew where it was. But he didn't stay there. So they didn't keep going back to it. They didn't stay there. Why do we not know where his tomb was? Because he did not stay there. The third reason I want to give you why I believe that the resurrection, that Easter really happened, is this, is look at Jesus' followers. Okay, look at Jesus' followers. Now, when Jesus was arrested, we're going to read about this real quick, where Jesus was arrested in John 18, verse 4. Jesus is about to be arrested. Judas is leading a mob of people to come find Jesus. John 18, verse 4. Now, Jesus fully realized all that was going to happen to him. So he stepped forward to meet them, this this mob. And he says, who are you looking for? Verse 5, Jesus the Nazarene, they replied, I am he, Jesus said. And Judas, who betrayed him, was standing with them. And as Jesus said, I am he, they all drew back and fell to the ground. Some of your translations will say that they fell down as though dead. Jesus let himself be taken. He let himself be taken. He says, I am he, and they all fall down. Once more, he asked them, <laughs> I guess they got back up, who are you looking for? And again, they replied, Jesus of Nazareth. And he says, I told you I am he. Jesus said, and since I am the one that you want, let the others go. He did this to fulfill his own statement. I did not lose a single one of those who you had given me. Jesus' disciples were there with him. And when this whole mob comes, what did Jesus make sure happened? Jesus made sure. He's like, you want me? You can have me. I'll let you take me. The entire mob falls dead. They get back up, and he's like, you want me? They're like, yeah. (laughs) And he says, you can have me, but you let all of them go. And they listened to him. That mob listened because that mob knew they were not in control. Jesus willingly went. He went, a lion went as a lamb. He could have stopped it at any moment. He went because he wanted to. He went because he wanted to. So just, but, but listen to this. So, so what happens now? Because you're Jesus' followers. Imagine you're a disciple and you're there with him. You see the mob come. You see them and you're like, What do I do? You've got a sword. And as the mob comes, Jesus stands before them and says, Who are you after? They tell him. And when they do, Jesus says, I am he. And they all fall down. What are you thinking? I know what I'm thinking. (laughs) <laughs> I'm laughing, I'm like, can't touch him, well, son of God, I knew it, I knew it again, I knew it, like, I'd be like, yeah, I don't even need the sword, oh, let's do this, like, I, that would, as if you wouldn't be doing that, but then what happens? Jesus lets himself be taken by the people who want to kill him and oppose him. Now you're one of Jesus' disciples. What do you do? Well, we know what Peter did. Peter grabs his sword, he's like, ah! And he chops off one of the servants of the high priest's ear. Like he goes for the head. He's like, I'm gonna get him. Chops off the ear. And Jesus is like, No. He's like, What? You knocked him down? Like I did this, like, like I'm with you, Jesus. I'm there. Let's do this. And Jesus is like, no. And he heals the ear. And Peter's like, I got it wrong. I thought for sure we were doing this. So Jesus gets taken, and what happens? The disciples, they gone. They all take off. Because what would you do? What would you do if the man that you're following, that you believe is God, is God's son, but his father's son and Holy Spirit, that it's three in one, and you watch him get taken away. I thought he was, you were going to establish your kingdom. No, they're all gone. Every one of them disappears. Like, it's a coach that keeps losing. You're like, nope, new one. Wait, this, isn't, this isn't working. This is no good. The disciples deserted. Jesus. In fact, Jesus told them, you will desert me. And Peter's like, no, we won't. I won't. And Jesus is like, yeah, you will. In fact, you'll deny me three times before the rooster crows. You probably have heard the story. But Peter follows from a distance. And while Jesus is being questioned, he's warming himself by the fire. And when a little girl comes up to him and says, aren't you one of aren't you one of Jesus' followers? He's like, no. Because that's what every single one of us would do if the person that we thought was Lord and King is now letting himself be taken. And then not only that, not only does he let himself be taken, but he hangs on a cross and dies. What do you do? Well, we know what, We know what the disciples did. But before we look at what they did, you want to know what they didn't do? Guess what they didn't do? They didn't go camp around the tomb and be like, this is going to be awesome. Get your phone out. He's coming back. Like, I'm getting this on video. This is going to be great. They didn't do that. Not, Not just because they didn't have phones. They weren't there. There's not one disciple that was there like, okay, this is going to be awesome. I'm not missing this for anything. They all abandoned Jesus. Let's look at what some of them did do. John 21, verse 3, Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. <laughs> Come on, he's like, okay, he's dead, let's go fishing. Like, but it wasn't just recreational fishing. Peter was a fisherman. And he's like, I don't know what to do. So I'm going to go back to the thing that I was doing when Jesus found me. These three years, these times I spent following Jesus, I'm going back to that. And so he does. He does. He says, I'm going fishing. And some of the other disciples are like, we'll come too. I like fishing. So they went out in a boat, and they caught nothing all night. At dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach. They weren't at the tomb. In fact, think about this. The women that went to the tomb Those that saw Jesus first, they went to take care of the body. They're like, we've got spices. We're going to go anoint the body of our Lord because he's dead. He's dead. That's what they all believed. And then they're like, ah, he's alive. That's as high as I can go. That's it. That was it. But the disciples, they go back and they're like, really? And the women tell the, the men and they're running to the tomb. They're like, what's going on? Jesus' disciples abandon him. They did not believe when he died. But then they see the risen Jesus. They see the risen Jesus. 1 John 21.4, at dawn Jesus was standing on the beach But the disciples couldn't see who he was, and he called out, fellows, have you caught any fish? No, they replied. Then he said to them, throw your net on the right side of the boat, and you'll get some. So they did, and they couldn't haul in the net because there was so many fish in it. Then the disciple Jesus loved and you got to love this, but this is John that wrote the book, and we know it's John, and he, refer, he refers to himself in the third person. The disciple that Jesus loved, that's, that, that's John. I just think that's hilarious. Okay, so the disciple that Jesus loved, which is John, he's referring to himself in the third person, said to Peter, it's the Lord. And when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his tunic, for he had taken it off for the work, and he jumped into the water, he, he left the fish, and he headed to shore. The disciples, when Jesus died, gone. But guess what after the resurrection? After the resurrection, it is completely different. Jesus has 12 disciples, 11 of the 12, including Matthias who took Judas's place, 11 of the 12, history tells us, guess how they all died? They were martyred for their faith in Jesus. When he was dead, they were gone. After the resurrection, every one of them, save John, save one, died for their faith. And John died of old age because he wouldn't die. <laughs> History says that John, they tried to boil him alive in oil, but it didn't work. They're like, we can't kill this guy. So they banished him to a penal colony, the island of Patmos, and there he wrote the book of Revelations, and there he died of natural causes. After the resurrection, something changed, because what that meant was Jesus wasn't a liar, he wasn't a lunatic, so what was left? He, wa- use a different figure. he was Lord. Yeah. <laughs> he was Lord. That's all that was left. And the disciples gave their very lives for it. Because the resurrection was real. Yeah. Because it happened. Jesus was seen by hundreds of people after his death, burial, and resurrection. When he rose again, he was seen by hundreds of people. It was not a secret. It was not a secret. It's First Corinthians that describes what it is that happened. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 5. And that he was seen by Cephas and by the twelve, and after that he was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remained to the present. He's like, you don't believe? He's like, go talk to the people that saw. He says some of them have fallen asleep, some of them are dead. But they don't even refer to death the same anymore, because if Jesus died and rose again, then, and he defeated death, he's like, they started referring to death as sleep. They're like, because we know what's coming next because Jesus went there and now he says he's gone there again to prepare a place for us. It changed the way that they lived. It changed their entire view of death to the point that the disciples were threatened over and over again. 11 of the 12 were killed for their preaching and they would not stop. They were killed for their faith and they're like, "Mm, go for it. Paul says this, goes, to die is gain. But to stay here is good. He's like, "Mm, I think I'd rather die, but for your sake, I'll stay here and preach. What do you do to that guy? He's like, you're going to kill me? He's like, finally, I'm going to go see my Lord and King. And they're like, we're not going to kill you. He's like, okay, then I'll stay here. They put him in prison. He's like, thank you so much. And he writes the Bible, half of the New Testament. Because the resurrection happened. We see what happened. You can look through history, and you look at these disciples and the faith and the way that they stood. Peter was crucified, and he says, don't even crucify me the way that my Savior was. Crucify me upside down. They're like, sure, why not? He says, I'm not worthy to die that way. Because Jesus did rise from the dead. Another reason I believe in the resurrection. James, the brother of Jesus, believed that Jesus was Lord. He's one of those that was martyred for believing it. When Jesus was alive, he didn't. Anybody in here got a brother? Raise your hand on that one. Anybody? Anybody? I oh, a a few more hands. Okay, okay. How many of you, what would it take to believe that your brother was the (laughs) God? I mean, come on. Come on. You're like, no, Mm -mm, not doing it. I know. Oh, I know all the stories. I've got it. No. (laughs) Not happening. James believed and was killed for his faith after the resurrection. Because what the resurrection did was say, I am Lord. What Jesus did, he did for you and for me. He was willing to do. He did what no others could do. He rose from the dead to never die again. He was not revived. He rose. So we celebrate Easter. We celebrate the greatest thing that has ever been done. In all of humanity, it was that God sent his son as a man, that that man lived a sinless life perfect life and then gave his life as a sacrifice because he wanted to he was not forced to his followers scattered they were gone because what they believed in died when he died it all came to a head but then come on he rose again And when it did, it changed everything for every one of his followers, every one of the disciples. That was the deciding moment. And what he did for them, he did for you, and he did for me. This is what we celebrate. We celebrate what it is that he did. And as a result, as a result of Jesus' resurrection, what he did didn't die with him. It spread like wire, wire, wire fire. I don't know what that is, but we're going to use that now. Wire fire. All over the place. It's like fire on a wire, just really fast, okay? That's just where we're going to go with. But that's how it spread. So the church is alive today, 2,000 years after this man died, because he rose again, victorious over death, sin, and the devil. And what does that mean for you and I? Here's what it says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of this air. The devil is real. He's the ruler of this kingdom and air, it says. And we followed him. We followed him, the spirit, who is now at work in those who are disobedient, verse 3. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. We've all fallen short of what God's standard for us was. Every one of us chose sin. But because of his great love, why? Because of his great love for us. God, who is rich in mercy, He's like, I'm going to make a way. Why? Because he is rich in mercy. Is he just? Yes. But all of God's wrath was poured on Jesus on the cross so that you and I could experience his mercy. Verse 5, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in our transgressions, it is by grace that you have been saved. It's not something that we work for because Jesus did it. What he did on the cross, what he did when he rose from the dead, says it is done. Jesus hung on the cross and before he died, what did he say? He said, it is finished. He did it. He didn't do 98%. I'll leave the last. No, no, no. He did all of it. It's not like Jesus plus if I do this really, really well. No, no, no. It's not Jesus plus if I tell this person I'm sorry. Nope, it's not that. Jesus did it all. He hung on the cross and said, it is finished. But because of his great love for us and his mercy, verse 5, it was made alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace that you have been saved and God raised us up with Christ. That resurrection, Easter, Is for you and me. It says, You were raised with Christ. You and I, when we accept what Jesus did, we are raised with Him. That old way, we get to die to our old way of living and become new, become brand new, raised with Christ. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with Him in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show his incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kingdom to us in Christ Jesus. That's where you're found. That's what's available to you and I, is that our life can be found in Christ We can be forgiven and set free because of what he did. We celebrate what he did, and as a result, what he does in us, that we die to that old way, that junk, the the sin, the guilt of our past can be buried, can be left, and we can be raised with Christ. Verse eight, for it is by grace that you've been saved through faith, and it is not of yourselves. It's the gift of of God not by works so that anyone would boast it's not by what you do we celebrate what Jesus did and the life that we get to live as a result the knowledge that we have of we know what's coming on the other side of death and it's eternity with him that's what we get to celebrate today the greatest thing that has ever been done Can I tell you what the greatest greatest day that you'll ever have is? It's the day that you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. It's the day that you look at what he did and say, God, I see what you did. Include me. I want to be found with you. I want to be forgiven. I want to be set free. I want to be washed free of the sin and guilt of my shame and past. God, I want you in my life. Would you please bow your heads, close your eyes if you're here today, you say today that's my day, I know why I'm here I'm here because today, this is my Easter, this is the day I die to my old way of living and I become all he has for me, this is my day, if you're here today is your day you can leave here knowing beyond a shadow of a doubt where you stand with God, forgiven and set free from your past, on your way to heaven and begin to walk out the plan and purpose he has for you, the Bible says if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart, we will be saved. Here's what that means. It means that you just cry out to God. You say, God, I want to be forgiven. I want you to make me new. I want you to set me free, and he'll do it. You say, God, I want you to be the Lord of my life. I'll follow you. If that's you, I'd love the honor of praying with you this morning. Whether you're in this room or just online, wherever you're listening or watching this, that you at the count of three I'm going to ask you to lift your hands and then right where you are we're going to pray together and when we say amen you're going to know beyond a shadow of a doubt where you stand with God we're going to walk out the plan and purpose he has for you if that's you get ready one all the way lift that hand up high before me I want to see it I want to pray with you and God here we go one two three right now shoot that hand up and say that's me thank you thank you say that's me today's my day All right, everybody, would you just, hands down, would you repeat after me? As we say these words, you that lifted your hands, as you say these words, make them your own. Let's just all pray together. Repeat after me, say, Jesus, forgive me and make me new. From now on, I'm yours. With all that I am, I'm gonna serve you. I believe that you came. That you died, shed your blood, so I could be free. From now on, I'm yours. Come rule and reign in my life. In Jesus' name, amen.